Hello and welcome to Viva Pod Vegas. Well, thank you very much for listening. This is episode seven. Oh, where do you where do you see a seventh finger, Mike? Please, please. I'm hold- no, 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 no. We're keeping the same. No, I'm, I'm holding up sticks. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode seven. No, sorry. <laughs> this is episode six, Flaming Star from 1960. I'm Mike Manzi, and I'm Joey Lewandowski, and Mike. We have an unusual one on our hands. Yeah, I think that's why I'm tripped up at the top because. Well, now I oh. now I gotta keep it. Now you reference yeah, no, it. No, you gotta can, keep it in. You could keep it if you want. Sure. I held up six fingers, and Mike saw seven. I was like, okay, no, 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 six, and then he said seven again. So, <laughs> uh, Flaming Star, the first movie. We're back in America, firmly back in America that's after right. Sex Bet. We're back in the 1800s. Yeah, in Texas, and we are on the precipice of a battle of a war between white settlers and the Kiowas. Yes. You know, that that whole story. <laughs> Are the Kiowas a real tribe? Do we know that? Yeah, I looked them up, you know, to be sure. And, oh, they uh, are. Okay, Great Plains. Because yep. I wanted to make sure we referred to them by that name throughout the episode, if we could. <laughs> well, so I will say that I feared, when I, when I found out what this movie was about, that Elvis is the son of a white man and a Kiowa woman who has left her tribe to marry this white man, yeah. I was like, oh boy. Uh-oh. Right. Uh-oh. Yeah. And... It's way less racist than it could have been. Yeah, like that's not the, you know, yeah, that's not the issue here. The issue is sort of used proactively, I'd say, to expose the other side of the racism, not by like the filmmakers, but by like the society in the 1800s. Usually, typically you don't see this much of that in uh, Westerns. It was surprisingly, I don't know, refreshing, but when, so I will say, I will will skip the plot summary for a second. I mean, we kind of the plot summary because it's relatively simple, but... The tagline, the only tagline for this movie is choose, in all capital letters, choose between your white father and your Kiowa mother. And I was like, oh, oh man. no, yeah. that's least, bad. At least they didn't throw around the red word like they did several times in this movie. I was like, there's no communist. I was like, oh, not communist. No, right. <laughs> no, 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 no. The other weird thing about this movie, which was kind of really refreshing, mm-hmm. not a musical. I had to make a drastic mental shift very early on in this picture because I thought we were done with this. I thought from now on it was going to be, you know, clam bakes and yeah. chasing girls and all that stuff. So for like the first half of the movie, I was like, where's the songs? And then I really sort of realized, no, this is a serious Western. So for Elva, so for the other podcasts that we do, I generally don't read about them before I see the movie. But for these, I'm like, I don't think you're going to be able to spoil a bunch of songs with a plot strung around it. So I usually mm-hmm. read about these before. And so I was reading about these, and there are two songs in the movie. There's Flaming Star, which was the opening credits, the title song, the theme song. And there's a song four minutes into the movie called A Cane and a High Starched Collar, which is not on Spotify, by the way. Okay. I don't know where that is. There's an album called Flaming Star with like 10 songs, theme song, of course, on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only other song in the movie, not on the album, Weird. not on Spotify. Weird. And it's And not a on crazy Spotify scene. where it's like, you know, sometimes like, there's an album, it's like there's 15 tracks and like 12 are playable and there's like three right. that are great out. Yeah. Not, not even either. there. It's just not listed. Weird. That's awkward because you just figure for a guy like Elvis, everything's been right. pressed and put yeah. out. But I guess this was never released? Hmm. Maybe it's, it's not. I mean, did, maybe it's, it's like on a, the official soundtrack or something no, like that. No, I think that that's what I was sc- looking at. No, but I mean like with the score, if there's like a, you know what I'm saying? Just oh, like the orchestration. I don't know. That's the only other place it might actually be somewhere, but it doesn't. 
I'm wondering. Also, doesn't explain why it's not online. I'm also wondering if it was like you know like a Western standard or whatever the like. You oh, know, that's just a like, good call. But like, there's no version of this on Spotify. Like, I don't just look mm. for Elvis this song. I just looked. I don't. I think. But like, I don't remember seeing any of them. Maybe I'm. Maybe they're the wrong search. But there's definitely the Elvis version. Definitely not on there. Okay. I have no idea. But anyway, so Fox, Studio Fox, wanted four songs. And they wanted to be, because Elvis like, I don't want to do music anymore or in my movies. I want to be a serious actor, as we talked about. Hmm. They want, we want four songs. They wanted a theme song. So it was originally called Black Star. Actually, hold on. Let me, let me go. It's based on a novel. Shout out to Book Club. Flaming Lance, 1958, by Claire Huffaker. The movie was originally titled The Brothers of Flaming Arrow, then Flaming Lance. But the theme song was going to be called Black Star. Hmm. And Elvis recorded a song called Black Star. And then they changed the name of the movie, so he re-recorded it as Flaming Star, which is the song huh. that he doesn't perform. No. It's just when he's riding across the plains in the beginning of the movie, and yeah. you hear that over the top. Yeah. And it said it's like a turn of phrase in the movie, too. So then Elvis was like, four songs, still too many. Take two out. Whoa. So they cut two out. So we only have the two that he, one he doesn't perform, and the one just like they're at a party, he plays a song. Yeah, for a segment later, it fits perfectly into the movie. <laughs> so now here, this is to answer your question. This is the last of his films that'll have a minimal number of songs until Charo, which is his next Western, in 1968. So only wow. eight years later, but also, as we know, like 16, 18, 20 movies later or whatever. Okay, okay. Every other movie is like, oh, no, we're doing musicals. Like next week, next episode, I was going to say next week, it's not going to be next week. <laughs> next episode, whenever that is, is Blue Hawaii, which is like, oh, right? So Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, back. Right back in it. Um, yeah, and there's no room, really, in this movie for musicals. Like, that kind of... Like, I was thinking, like, how inappropriate it would be if there were more songs in this movie, the type of story it is. Well, let me tell you. They recorded another song called Summer Kisses, Winter Tears, what? where Elvis sang a song around a campfire with a bunch of the Kiowa, and test audiences couldn't stop laughing. Oh, man. And yeah, even, it like, 1960, like... <laughs> like, you know, not jaded. I'm mm-hmm. sure they were jaded in a different way, but not jaded, like, today. Like, oh, no, this doesn't work. No, because then it turns into, like, you know, it, you got to go full tilt, like, paint your wagon or something. Like, this is... Uh, like they're already into sort of oh this is going to be serious like they've settled into and then at that point in the movie you can't start breaking into song that's exactly what i mean no 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 oh boy and there was a fourth song the other song that elvis had cut was a song called britches b-r-i-t-c-h-e-s that elvis was going to sing while riding his horse to the crossing with clint his brother clint okay but he didn't want to do that because he thought it would look dumb well i was going to say who's he going to sing a song to his horse like he doesn't have a love interest in this movie i guess his brother i don't know which is unusual maybe his ma i don't know maybe the guys that break into their house he could i sing. mean you think about <laughs> like them up. oh brother like they sing to each other don't they or no yeah i suppose so. no yeah he could just be like narrating while he's singing on the planes by himself but it'd be weird to do that once in the movie and right. not throughout the whole thing right yes very much so wow. here's the crazy thing a crazy thing maybe not that crazy thing but a crazy thing originally cast before elvis was cast okay do you know who the brothers were gonna be no, no idea. Frank Sinatra and Marlon Brando. Whoa. Okay. Well, that makes kind of a bit of sense because Sinatra was a serious actor back then and Brando was coming up and stuff. So that kind of, I mean, I wouldn't want to see them do this, but I'd love to have seen them together. In if something. they had been in a movie together, we would have seen Flaming Star, right? Like if, right, it would have right, been like, right, oh, yeah. you got to see this movie. I where... mean, Brando ended up making a Western kind of no one saw because... It was supposed to be directed by Stanley Kubrick, and he dropped out, and Brando decided to direct it himself. Oh, what for, movie? Um, 
it's the only it's a, the, I think it's the only western he was in it it it, it alludes my one-eyed jacks one-eyed jacks wow. yeah yeah I, the story goes like St- kubrick was all ready to go and brando stepped in and said i've decided to direct this and just like took all oh, i don't know if no. this is true but like the 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 legend is he took like all of his prep stuff and applied it to his own vision and stuff like so it's what would wind up happening with ai kind of but kind of but by by force not by Almost. like death you know? yeah and i don't know if sinatra ever did a western or anything like that but uh, that's interesting because who was going to be the was he Sinat- called four for Texas maybe okay and was maybe, Sinatra going to be the Elvis part I would guess that's I don't a, know. that's tough he'd be like an Italian indigenous American <laughs> like, I don't know because I think like so like so this movie is in color to talk to not them. all these movies have been in color but this movie's in color mm-hmm. and the way that they like get away with Elvis being half Kiowa is that like he's just so tan yeah 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 they're like yeah. just sit out in the sun for days yeah yeah and you know this is a western thing too like i think charles bronson did something like this i think even uh, dustin hoffman did a role like this well, we saw keanu play siddhartha right like true, it's still true. happening like years like just like this yeah. is yeah just make their skin darker it, it's unfortunate but like right again given that as the premise could have been way worse. Could have been way worse. And also, if you really want to get the movie made, like, Elvis is going to help you get the movie made. Yeah. And, you know, I think this this movie holds up as a pretty solid Western at the end of the day. I have a, a great quote about that that I will actually, I'll, I'll jump to right now. Why not? Uh, Quentin Tarantino called the film a truly great 50s Western mm. and maybe the most brutally violent American Western of its era. Well, yeah, there's a lot more gore yeah. and blood yeah. than I was ever expecting, especially for an Elvis movie. Yeah. Elvis, like, we'll get to it, but the, the surprise party, the way he enters the surprise party. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, we'll talk about that. So, <laughs> Robert Wagner was offered the role of Elvis's brother, half-brother, right. but turned down, quote, because nobody ever paid attention to any other man in an Elvis Presley picture, which is a fair thing to say. But I think for the first half hour of the movie, Elvis is a supporting character. Like, this is kind yeah. of the brother's movie, and then it becomes Elvis's movie. So it was Rob... Oh, I'm thinking of Robert Vaughn from Superman 3, I think. <laughs> Robert Wagner, that's um, number two, right? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. Like, I couldn't even get Elvis's name. I couldn't really get a grip on, like, who was the lead for a while. And then when it started to sort of suss out and become clear after the first attack, I was like, okay, they're brothers. This is the core group. But it's not about Elvis. It's about the other the other guy. And then it kind of slowly becomes just about the family in well, general. And there's another family altogether that, like, kind of matters, but also kind of doesn't matter. Like, they're just, like, mm-hmm. there to be victims, kind of. And then there's the whole town folk. Yeah. And everything going on in town. Yeah, it's a lot. A lot but of dynamics. Elvis was given a lot of credit. This is one of his best performances at the Mixed Blood Pacer Burton. His mm. name is Pacer Burton. Yeah, I finally picked up on Pacer. That's a real cool name. I'm supply- surprised we didn't get a name like that in the Fast series yet, Pacer. Ooh, well, I mean, the Pace car is a slow car. So. Well, exactly, like a nickname or something. Maybe that's Twinkie's oh, new nickname. Okay. Because um, we don't know what they don't. We don't know what they call Twinkie. He just doesn't anymore. go by Twinkie anymore. Um, I don't. Uh, I mean, like, I don't think Elvis is bad in this, but I think I prefer fun Elvis, if we want to say. Like, this movie just is very kind of um, depressing, you know? Not in, like, a necessarily bad way or anything like that, but, like, it is a serious drama, and I'm not sure if Elvis can quite manage the weight on his shoulders. The way he can just sort of dance around G.I. Blues and be, like, amazing when it comes to holding a baby and everything, I'm like, I don't know. 
I don't know if we're going to get this in future, you know, wiki things or whatever, but we know that he wants to be taken seriously as an actor, right? Mm -hmm. And I wonder if he's like, oh, yeah, I did it. And, like, now I can have fun. Like, I don't know if this was taxing for him. Maybe maybe this is what he would. I feel like he's a big Mm -hmm. enough star that if he wanted to do this, he might not have been able to do this every movie, but it could have been, like, a one for me, one for you, or, like, a two for us and one for you or whatever, where, like, every once in a while he gets to do this. But the fact that he doesn't do it again for a long, long time. Yeah. A guess with no backup, with no information. I'm guessing he maybe was okay just doing the other thing. Kind of, kind of like you know a Tom Cruise sort of doubleheader, Magnolia, Eyes Wide Shut deal, where it's like I've done it. I'm, I'm, I'm a great actor in that respect. I'm just gonna go make awesome action from now on or whatever. Maybe Elvis is like, oh look, I, I did it in my eyes. Like I'm happy with this. Like I can just go make beach blanket movies or, yeah. or you know hot rod films and stuff and that's cool also i would assume that like the only other movie he could have done to kind of proven himself in that way would have been like a noir gangster flick and i think a western is way more acceptable to see elvis in those times holding a gun and shooting somebody than in like some something closer to modern day like the 40s are to the 50s you know this is almost like a hundred years removed from the time the audiences are watching it so I think it might have been a little better to be like, oh, I'll do it in a Western or something like that. Yeah. So other people in this movie, so Dolores Del Rio, who plays Elvis's mom, mm-hmm. Ma, was a Mexican. Do you know her or no? No. So she was a Mexican actress, dancer, and singer with a career spanning more than 50 years. She's regarded as one of the first major female Latin American crossover stars in Hollywood with an outstanding career in cinema in the 20s and 30s. She was also considered one of the most important female figures in the golden age of Mexican cinema and is remembered as one of the most beautiful actresses on screen of all time. So Wow, I know her now. <laughs> so she is, I mean, again, now today representation is a bigger deal. It's still not as, as good as it is, but it's at least they had a non-white actor playing right. a Kiowa woman. True, true. Even if she's Mexican and not actually Native American or indigenous, like the fact that they're not just like, hey, put some makeup on this white lady. It just, mm-hmm. you know, there's mm-hmm. there's a respect paid there so i don't know yeah it's closer than i was expecting i'll tell you you know that much about it like if you have an elvis in there then you've sort of like broken ground to put whoever you want in the rest of the cast so in that regard i think it was you know a good move by them i definitely thought like you know from that one of the very early scenes we find out that she's only Elvis's mom and not right. the other guys. Like it's just, it's the stepmom or whatever, the second mother. Um, I actually thought that that the plot line was going to be that like she was Mexican and that, but then the whole thing, the right. whole other plot line sort of rammed in. And I was like, oh, I see. Okay, they had to do the, the casting right. thing and stuff. The guy who plays Pa John McIntyre, yeah, is the sheriff in Psycho, and he's also mm-hmm. in Turner and Hooch, which we covered on. Oh, my goodness, yeah, I recognize him from. Tons of westerns. Uh, Dread Pierce, and I don't remember who that is. That's just another guy in town, I think. Cool name. He was in The Birds, Vanishing Point, and Seconds. We covered two of those for Too Fast, Too Forever. And the guy who played Doc was in Halloween 2, The Parallax View, and the OG 310 Yuma, which is pretty oh, cool. nice. And then the only other actor of note that I saw that had been in other things of, of you know, maybe TV. I didn't really look too much into TV, but she's in TV. Barbara Eden, best known for Genie on I Dream of Genie. Yeah. Barbara Eden replaced Barbara Steele, um, who, if you listen to one side of the story, they're like, her British accent does not work. We're going to have to let her go. Barbara Steele says, oh, no, I quit. So hmm. I don't know. Either way, she was cast, and then she was not cast anymore. 
It's weird because you'd think they would have just overdubbed her voice with an American actress or something and made it work if they really wanted to. But it was it was a little like, yeah, I couldn't put my finger on it where I knew Jeannie from. And it was Jeannie. Uh, I wish her role was a little more expanded. Like she's supposed to have a sort of maybe romance with Elvis's brother at some point, which is unclear that I wish was sort of fleshed out a little more because the social dynamics in town are like so crazy. Yeah. I wish that there was a little more kind of insight into what was going on away from the brothers. Yeah. The big takeaway, the big trivia about this movie is that stills, a publicity still from this movie was used by Andy Warhol to create several silk screens that are apparently pretty mm-hmm. famous. I had not seen before. Maybe I didn't remember seeing before. But there was yeah. a single Elvis, double Elvis, Elvis times two, Elvis I and I or one and one maybe. Eight Elvises, Triple Elvis, Elvis Four Times, Elvis Times Eleven. These are housed at the Andy Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh. And then these have been sold to generate more than $380 million in sales. Awesome. I recognized I put the it on, photo. I put it on Twitter last night. Did you see mm-hmm. the picture? Yeah, I remember seeing that on T-shirts as much as I've seen the sort of iconic Jailhouse Rock still of him as well. I didn't know it was Warhol, though. Yeah, it's right. Andy Warhol. He was like the original, what, um, Mr. Braindead or whatever that guy from Exit Through the Gift Show. He's like, I'm just going to take all this pre-existing stuff and double it up. Yeah. Elvis was inducted into the Los Angeles Indian Tribal Council by Native American Wani Ota after portraying the son of an Indian and a white settler for this film. So apparently this was important or well done enough or something. As far as there's like still sort of by today's standards, like, issues with the depictions yeah. going on here i'm sure for the time this was like oh my gosh um you never really get to see the other side of the story or something like right. like it just seems like that from this movie that they're spending like the entire movie is about that like for being the half breed and showing trying to show both sides of that equally yeah. must have been kind of different at the time and stuff so very socially forward yeah all right, let's talk about the movie. Okay. Initially, like, this looks like a legit Western. Like, this looks like... Oh, yeah. It's like, it's got the look. Yeah, yeah. It's got the huge vistas. It's kind of... Some shots are actually quite beautiful. Other shots have uh, really excellent framing. Yeah, I think I think it holds up for most of the film. Yeah, it's really good. I was really surprised by that. Apparently, there was, like, behind-the-scenes... Um, concern over like how much it would cost and like maybe westerns weren't earning as much at the box office so like there was some push and pull there but like whatever it wound up wherever they wound up it's a good final product i think i, I would be happy with this on my resume if i had made this movie or whatever oh yeah this movie, because like it looks good it doesn't feel cheap like they're no. out there it's not on sets right yes. like, this is like it's legit they're in the dirt and i think that must have pleased elvis and helped him with his performance and get sort of into the mood and you know you could he he looks very comfortable on the horse. It's not his first rodeo, but like I picture him sort of sleeping out under the stars sure. and stuff, like actually really trying to get method as much before it was a thing. And I think another thing that probably might have helped him or lends it a, a, an air of credibility and real, realism is that like a lot of this movie is just like four or five people. And then mm-hmm. there's like, you know, the townsfolk, which makes it a little bit bigger. And then there's the Kiowa, and like there's like big battle scenes. But a lot of this movie is kind of small. It's just like them on their farm or their farmstead or whatever homestead in the middle of like this gigantic field. Yeah. And it's just like, no, here's just the Burtons. It's weird. I wonder if this was before Sam Peckinpah came on the screen and did like his stuff because the violence in this movie to me is what really sets it apart. You know, like, yeah, like I think having the small cast and having 
sort of the more intimate moments and you know there's that really long stretch where it's just Elvis and his mom and I'm like wow this is this is playing really well it's counterbalanced with such graphic violence yeah. that that really grounded it for me you know that was where the realism for me really t- like kind of took hold it was sort of maybe it was a shock value thing at the time I don't know we're in the 60s it's sort of becoming more of a gimmick era of filmmaking and stuff but you know ordinarily you wouldn't see somebody like fire an arrow and the same guy get it in the same shot and i think we might have something as close as possible to that in this movie for sure yeah so let's talk about the first act of violence what you mentioned before (laughs) they get home and they hear like rustling inside the house as elvis Mm -hmm. and his brother burst through the door elvis gun drawn yeah into a dark room yeah ready to shoot (laughs) and it's just like surprise it's your brother's birthday it's like oh oh man okay that got me immediately. I was like, wait, surprise party. And then I was like, all right, we're gonna, we got to get some songs somehow. This will be perfect. And we get one. We get the song. One song. <laughs> Which is so clearly like a recording. Yeah. You know, like not even done live on the stage or anything. Like this is from a studio somewhere. Well, the movie kind of faked me out later because like Elvis like picks up his guitar and like off screen. We can hear he him like noodling strumming. a little bit. Yeah. But, like, he doesn't sing. But no. that kind of is just like, oh, no, this is just like a thing he does around the house. Like, either Elvis has Elvis or Elvis as Pacer. Just like, yeah. there's a guitar and he's going to play the guitar. I thought for sure he was going to use that guitar as a weapon later in the movie, but it never happened. <laughs> the other big takeaway, I think, from this birthday party scene is that his brother gets a mirror and people are like, oh, what is that? So, but it's not just the mirror, right? Like, it's a mirror with this little, like, attachment to it and sort of a cup on the end. Like a shaving basin. And that's what it is. It's yeah. like this new invention of a mirror, of a small sort of mirror with a shaving thing for your kit and stuff like that. So the guys are, like, everyone is, like, stunned. Yeah, his wife or girlfriend or whoever is just like, hey, you put a little bit of hot water in there and, like, you can shave, but you can also, like, comb your hair in it or whatever. She's <laughs> like, well, people are like, I, you're like, what the is that? The look on Elvis's face is is as if, like, she pulled out a cell phone. Yeah. You know, it was so great. But the, the mirth is sort of short-lived because mm. then the new, like, this this new guy, Buffalo Horn, comes, like, comes around. Like, oh, well, even before that, we get sort of what I thought were going to be the main characters. Elvis and his brother leave the parents' house to yeah. go home with the rest of the party members. And we follow those party folk yeah. back to their place. They're just there to get killed. Yeah, they're slaughtered, like, instantly. There's an attack. The Kiowas. The Kiowas got them. So the, the plot is that the Kiowas, I guess, are just like, I don't know if they're, is it ever explicitly clear what they're doing? So there's little sort of clues dropped or hints, I would say, where in the background where it's like they're converging on this area because, you know, new settlers are starting to take up more of the land. So right. they're coming back to reclaim, reclaim their land. Reclaim the land. That's what I figured. Yeah. Okay. And everybody is sort of moving out or moving into town or, or sort of boarding up okay. to protect themselves. So the Kiowas come and kill that entire other group. And it's graphic. There's guys on yeah. fire? Yeah. What? And somehow one of them, like, survives for, like, a week and then just, like, out yeah. in the middle of... Not the desert, but the plains. Yeah. And then eventually shoots Elvis's mom later, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> we don't know. I don't think we know for a while that Elvis is half Kiowa, that the mom right. is Kiowa, because even like later in the movie, you know, there's the other people who are like mad at Elvis once they sort of find out. And he's like, 
oh, I know you. I know the way you looked at me ever since you knew. And she's like, I never knew. And so, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's effective or not effective. Like, I, can't, I couldn't figure out if that was a good storytelling thing or not that nobody knew that he, like, yeah. there wasn't a tension. It was just like a, oh, no, it was fine until all of a sudden there was, like, bloodshed. That's exactly how it sort of played to me. It was like... Oh, they say they never knew, but I think they were just sort of like, they didn't have a problem with it or they were in denial about it until there was the attack and now they're taking sides. And they're like, well, if you're half of anything, you know, you got to go. Because the immediate reaction I feel like would be confusion, but their immediate reaction is anger. Yes. Because they go to that shop and the guy's like, if you're half blood brother, blah, 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 I'm going to shoot him and just like... I yeah. was just like, all right, I'm leaving, man. I'm I know. I'm getting out right. of here. I wonder if the audience at the time would have picked up on it a lot quicker just because of, you know, Maybe. attitudes at the time or whatever like that. But still, like, it's not like, I mean, it's a modern movie in that there were, like, you know, obviously racial tensions always, but this is also, like, a hundred years earlier, and people, like, I can see mm-hmm. people like, oh, everything's fixed. That's not like this now at all. You know what I mean? So. But it is 1960, right? Like, yeah. one of the most turbulent sure. decades, like, in I'm American just saying, history. I can see dummies like, oh, right. we don't, you know. Yeah, we yeah, won yeah. or whatever. And I think I that know. might have been maybe eventually sort of like a little overstuffed with the message, you know? Like sure. it, it, it's just it's definitely like unbalanced to a degree where it's not a fun movie, but it is a good movie. You know, like I'm not like the action's cool and things, but like it does get very melodramatic. It does sort of drag on for bits and and times like that. There's that very unnecessary near rape scene. (laughs) I don't want to talk about or anything, but that's here, too. Mm -hmm. Like in an Elvis movie. Yeah. When it's not him chasing a girl like inappropriately. You know, I don't know which art I'm going to use for the episode art for this, but like a lot of the posters of this is just because the the final like act of the movie is Elvis running around shirtless fighting Mm -hmm. the Kiowas and like the movie poster is him shirtless. And so you're drawing in Mm. women like, hey, check out your, your favorite man crush Elvis shirtless. Oh, we're going to we're going to incept like real dark shit into your movie. Right. It is kind of like that bait and switch. Yeah. I do I do like that the movie in a way like backs into letting us know that Elvis is Kiowa, mm-hmm. half Kiowa, because like the the Kiowa guy comes and Elvis is like, Oh yeah, they have a new chief and that's like, how do you know that? It's like, oh like I the doctor, he, yeah. he was my friend before he was the chief. Exactly. Yeah, that's a very cool scene because you're right, it kinda of blows the doors open and lets you know like Elvis knows what's going on better than his own parents and he's still not like informing his parents about like his inside info you know to keep him safe or whatever i mean he's gonna kind of try to strike deals to keep his family safe but that doesn't even work eventually Mm. you know so you'd think like earlier on or like when when the chief first shows up elvis would be like here's everything i know like we should you guys should really leave town (laughs) we should take them up on their offer and and get out of here and give their land back and then we get to the real meat of the conflict. And mm-hmm. this is both explicitly within the mom and then becomes Elvis's problem kind of after she dies or after mm-hmm. she gets shot. But it's that they, they exist in two worlds and yet kind of belong to neither, right? Like yeah. El- they go to they go to talk because the, the Kai will come back again and Elvis's mom is like, no, let's go find out. Let's go talk to them. Yeah. And Elvis is like, uh, what? He's, she's like, no, we're going to go. Like, yeah, I have relatives. Like, yeah. it's my family. And they go, and, like, things are, you know, tense, but it seems okay. Mm-hmm. And then after they leave, she's, like, my sister is basically, like, I don't belong there anymore. And it's like, oh, no. Yeah, like, kind if of, she gets forsaken by her sister, it's like, oh, God. Kind of made things maybe worse, even. Yeah. yeah. Trying to come and mediate and get in the way and stuff. 
Yeah, it's the same on both sides. It's weird. It's really weird like that. Like, not that you don't want what you deserve or stuff, but like, there's absolutely zero help from the town. No. And zero help from the Kiowa. Like, that family is totally on their own. Yeah. It's very, uh, I think that's what eventually, like, got me sort of more invested into the movie little by little was, like, the movie closes in on this family. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was really well done. Well, Elvis says at one point, to tell the truth, as a quote, to tell the truth, I don't know who's my people. Maybe I don't got any. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in this kind of situation, it's going to go one of two ways, right? Either, like, they're going to bring the two sides together, which is very unlikely. Right. Or here, what happens, I guess there's a third option where, like, everything's fine. That seems unlikely. Or here, it's just like, oh, no, like, you burn both bridges. Right, right. And which, it, I'm not sure when we'll get to the ending. I'm not exactly sure what Elvis did. Uh, at the end, you know, because he's just kind of comes back into town. He's like, don't worry about it. Like, everything's fine now. It's like, did you go full lone wolf and cub on like the entire tribe? (laughs) We'll talk about that at the end. So then as they're on the way back from the Kiowa encampment or whatever, there's just a guy shooting at them. Mm -hmm. And Elvis does something which is remarkable. Elvis sprints at the guy with the gun and tackles him and like is successful like doesn't get shot yeah but it's not before his mom takes a bolt in the gut there's a lot of i don't want to i don't know if i want to say great but like there's very high quality you know western stunts in this movie and like from falling off of horses to like you just said to doing those cool sort of like gun rushes to later the dad character sort of wrestling with the uh, cattle instead he gets sort of like trapped in a bit of a stampede and stuff so um again that that whole wagon ride thing was very tense and you're not sure if the mom is actually mortally wounded and you're not sure who this guy is and then you realize it's the dude from the beginning of the movie who's been surviving out there (laughs) like well the mom says that she's seen the flaming star of death which i guess is like the grim reaper flaming star I can feel close to me the flaming star of death. It's like, yo. And then at the end of the movie, Elvis is like, I saw that too. It's like, yo. Yeah. So Elvis kills Will Howard because Will Mm -hmm. shot and eventually Will have killed his mom. Yeah. And then they go to the Howard house or they go to town. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's looking for help. He's like, my mom needs help. I need the doctor. Uh, They're like, who shot your mom? Mm -hmm. And he goes, Will Howard. (laughs) And they're like, Will died a week ago. And he's like, no, he's still out there. He's dead now. And they're like, who killed him? And Elvis <laughs> kind of brags and is like, well, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Why say that? <laughs> Why do that? It's insane. I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. Like he's, <laughs> he looks proud of it, right? Like he's just like, oh, well, I did, of course. Well, yeah, he tried to shoot my mom, so I killed him, you know? Like if he shot my mom, so now that guy's dead. I don't, kill, I don't care if he was Will Howard or whoever. He can call himself whatever he wants. I mean, I guess you can't, like there's no scapegoat. Like he doesn't want to throw the Kiowa under the bus, and you can't just like pick another townsperson. So I yeah. guess he has to tell the truth, but it's also like, Maybe don't say it with glee. Yeah. Here's, I wonder if it's more of like a, a signal for the audience to show what side Elvis is on. He's taken a side now, right? Like, I feel like this might be the moment where he's like, I'm going to fight for the people who didn't shoot my mom. And so maybe sure. the brag is part of that coming out at first or... Maybe back then it, there was just no common sense and like people were just like honest and like it's like who killed my wife? I did. It's like, well, get over here. We're going to hang you now. And it's like, oh, that's right. Damn it. Yeah. I got to hightail it. I don't know. 
So but that's then, nothing compared to what he does later. I know, but they're like, okay, we need a doctor. And the townspeople are like, okay, let's all vote. The doctor's <laughs> going to help your mom. And they all say no. And the doctor's like, I don't know. You heard him, man. Like, what can I do? That is crazy. And I, I'm like, I wonder, when did the Hippocratic Oath become a thing? Because... Oh, way before right, the 1800s, so like, right? I, I guess... I mean, when did surprise parties become a thing? That... <laughs> <laughs> so the Hippocratic Oath... Oh, it's like, from Greece. It's yeah, from ancient yeah, yeah. Greece. It's like one of the first things that happened in what shaped uh, civilization, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> like, let's say that. A surprise party is a party arranged as a surprise. Yeah, thanks. Oh, thanks, computer. There's a Lilo and Stitch episode called The Surprise Party, which first aired in Japan on February 18th, 2009. Yeah, there's no way that that's documented. I mean, it had to have been like no. Victorian eras or something. Because you know why? You had to wait until there was a time after someone wouldn't enter the room suspiciously with a gun drawn or a sword drawn well, or something like Elvis that. Well, still does that. I know. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a good point, too. <laughs> anyway, the doctor's like, I can't, I can't help you. They all, the town people all said no, and I got to side with them because, you know, we're white and you're not, basically. Pretty much. And so Elvis is like, oh, I got an idea. <laughs> and he goes back to his – he goes back. His, his, I think his brother's with him now, right? Like his brother, because they, yes, because the dad, the yeah. dad and the brother ride up and like Ma's hurt. And so mm-hmm. the dad stays with the mom and the two brothers ride into town. They leave. Elvis is like, I got an idea. They ride outside town and then he like crawls on his belly back into town <laughs> and then kidnaps the doctor's daughter. Pretty much. Like she's playing in the garden yep. and and she knows pacer so she's like hey pacer what's up and he's like we're gonna play a little game yeah. <laughs> and and he picks her up and puts a gun to her head yeah. and tells the doctor you're coming with me or i don't want to do it and the girl's like this is weird playing yeah she's like pacer this isn't fun. it reminded me of once upon a time in hollywood when they're shooting the uh that scene with lena and he's got the girl on his lap that was the best <laughs> acting i've ever seen but that scene she's like tired life at first the character she's playing is like kind of like having fun and then he throws her on the ground yeah. and she's like this isn't fun anymore so the, they, they bring the doctor right and the doctor's like there's nothing i can do oh well she's dead when he gets there but not really well she's given up right, right. it's like the whole padme thing she's lost the will because she then wanders into a field and dies yeah she does the charlize from uh the road where she just walks opens the, the door and walks out into the Maybe not the best comparison. That's a good, no, that's a good pull, though. <laughs> and so they have another funeral. And so I was thinking, remember the first movie where Elvis mm. dies and his real-life mom was like, you can never die in another movie because yeah. I can't take it. And yeah, here, yeah. the mom dies. It's like, that's not better. What's that? And it also makes me think he's not going to die. Well, so he, stakes are kind of wobbling at this point. I'm like, well, how can they get away with him not dying in the movie? They're kind of a clever way around that if yeah you, you know <laughs> when i was not expecting <laughs> then we get a little bit of fill in the backstory blanks here about this is when they have the you know in town where genie is mad for you know he's mad at genie for looking down at him for being kaiwa but she says she didn't know yeah we find out that the dad like the bounty he gave the the chief for the mom oh, this is crazy was a shotgun and a pound of black powder he bought the mom for a gun and gunpowder, basically. Well, yeah, but something to use the gun yeah. with. And then... I mean, I'm sure they were... It was a love thing, but it was also like, how do I remove her from the tribe and, you know, get the permission to bring her to, to the plains right. and my house? And like, yeah, my daughter's worth a gun. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. I don't know how you... I don't know how you figure that out, but... 
it well, works. you know, you did stories about buying Manhattan for beads, you know, yeah. this is white man trickery kind of bullshit. Probably. Sure. Um, this is a magic gun. It kills everything it shoots. But then we get the big battle scene, the big action scene at the end. So talk about this for a while. Well, is this the one where the dad bites it? We got that scene, too, which I didn't think was the dad. After the ma dies, yeah. the other brother finds the dad, like, shot up with arrows on the side of the road. And that's the scene we are talking about where, like, he gets kind of ambushed. Elvis goes and makes a deal. And he's like, I'm going to fight with you, but keep my family protected. And everyone in town's like, to the brother, like, what do you care? Your family's protected. You know, get out of here. And he's like, yeah, I guess you're kind of right. This family's not protected because they fucking killed his dad. And they shot the shit out of him with lots of arrows. And, and there's that scene where the one guy comes up and crawling on him and his dad turns over and shoots him in the gut before he dies. Yeah. It's like, this is wild. And, and later, Elvis is like, why don't you go tell Paul I'm back? And he's like, dad's dead he died when you weren't even around he's like oh my gosh which kind of seems to maybe like in a way break elvis right because like elvis i don't want to say what i'm like he he goes neat like he just like he just yeah he he shirks all like you know civil civil civility yeah puts face paint on his his face takes his shirt off and starts stabbing dudes at one point he uses the blood of his wounded brother as the face paint yeah. Right? Like, he takes the blood and he puts it on his own face and he's like, I gotta do this and lure him away from you and all that kind of stuff because they shoot the shit out of his brother, too. Like, arrows in the legs and the arms and, like, everything. And you're right. Like, at the time, they would have said, like, he's become a savage or something like that. What is the crossing? Is like is that, like, a river or is that just town? Because, like, so Elvis's brother gets shot, mm-hmm. right? And he gets out of there. He escapes. And this is when the conversation that he and Elvis have about, you know, Pa died when you weren't around. We're all the family that we have left. All this, right? Elvis ties him to a horse. He, like, he, like hog ties him to the horse and sends him to yeah. the crossing. What is the crossing? Is it just like, hmm. it's like, it's it's safety. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably a place that the horse knows where there's lots of traffic. So, like, someone could come by and maybe help him or something. Which like they a, do. Like, yeah. he, he gets out of there. He survives. Yeah. So, maybe it is like um popular crowded road or something or an area yeah or the crossing could just also be yeah like crossing the threshold of our property kind of thing sure but just like get away from here like just ride the horse get out of here yeah. and just go wherever it's supposed to go and then elvis kind of like we don't know exactly what he does but yeah. he comes back the next morning like you said and just like i fixed it he's seen the flaming star at that point yeah he does that little sort of hide and seek in the in the rocks and in the, in the mountains and yeah. stuff. That was a cool, that was good, very well shot kind of stuff. And then, yeah, he, he comes sort of trotting back into town and mortally wounded. He says, don't try to help me, Clint. I've been killed already. I'm stubborn about dying. And, he, and they could clearly nurse him back to health. Like, there's no problem. Like, his brother got so jacked up and was fine the next day. Like, wasn't even limping. And one of those arrows looked like it hit his bone you know like it looked like it went deep like when those arrows go in they're aiming for vital organs yeah. and stuff like that so i was shocked that his brother was up and about like the next the very next day so elvis says the only thing to do now is die you live for me clint but he wants the one thing he wants is for f- people to quote understand folks like us just like you know be good see if you stuck around, you could help sure. people understand that a little bit better. But I think that there's something kind of nice, and I don't know if this is what they were going for. I think maybe it's an optimistic read of the movie, but something about like honoring 
the heritage and like when the mom saw the flaming star of death like elvis sees Mm -hmm. it's like that's just what our people say is gonna happen like that's what like when we see that we die right and so they don't want like white people medicine to fix them or whatever because like they believe it's their time to go you know yeah yeah there's something maybe there about Mm -hmm. respecting the lineage of whatever i think that it comes across as like very noble actually right is that i've made my choice already you know he has sort of rejected western yeah ideas and medicine and all that kind of thing and like you know if anything's gonna save him it's not in the town it's out there somewhere by himself on his own so like it might not even be that he's gonna physically die but metaphorically at this point he is a different person that that guy pacer doesn't exist anymore so there's there's no reason to really stick around yeah and um, then elvis rides off into the sunset and ostensibly dies after the movie off ends. screen yeah. yeah i'm sure as soon as they yell cut he falls off his horse <laughs> you know they just they had to please if, if elvis's mom was still alive at this point they couldn't show his you know him die and like another funeral and then what he couldn't throw a ghost into this movie this late in the game um it worked for some reason in love me tender was it but like (laughs) it won't won't fly here no even though there's lots of like talk about magic and elvis being strong magic because of his breeding and stuff (laughs) that's strange any other thoughts any other notes about the movie anything that we missed in your notes that you want to talk about because we got some other stuff to do talk about this movie Mm -hmm. play some games and stuff but yeah this was a surprise on several levels um I thought it was going to be another, you know, quote, unquote, comedy, I guess, for sure. lack of a better word, musical comedy kind of dance fun thing, or even not, even like a West Side Story kind of like a, a, a musical, but like a social a social musical. Um, and this is just like a very sort of hard-nosed, dramatic Western done really well. And I think for the time, uh, tackles a lot of important issues that you wouldn't mainly see in general entertainment forget about westerns but Mm -hmm. like you know blockbuster films around this time too i'm shocked like at some point like elvis you know this didn't get sort of wrapped up in the atomic age and space race and he's not on the moon fighting like a monster moonraker 2 with elvis (laughs) or something to that effect but yeah i think this is this is more of a western than an elvis movie i think that's what i've realized you know when i come down on the on the at the end of the day I wouldn't recommend it as an Elvis film, but I would recommend it as like a nice Western to check out that kind of tackles, you know, more pertinent issues of the day in the 60s and tries to like filter it through the, right. the lens of the 1800s. You sure. know? And I think it, it successfully does that, but very surprised. Yeah. I think I have this as my second favorite Elvis movie so far. I think King, I don't know if King Creole is going to be topped. I don't want to, I don't want to doubt future Elvis movies, but this is going to sound like a condemnation, but I'm also, it's going to, be a benefit to me, I think. But I'm expecting nothing out of any of these. <laughs> and anything that, like, is good, I'm going to be like, it's going to be a pleasant surprise. Yeah. And yeah. so I don't know that we're going to have something better than King Creole. Maybe we do. Maybe everything, maybe every movie. But, like, I have King Creole and then this, I think, are the two sort of standouts so far. Like, this yeah. is not necessarily head and shoulders above the other ones. But I think when I saw what this movie was about and the tagline that Elvis plays a half-white, half-Kiowa man, I'm like, Oh, this could go real bad real fast. Yeah. It doesn't. No. I was I'm surprised, man. They pull it off with like more grace than films of the modern age try to do. Well, yeah. maybe not this maybe not this day and age, but like definitely like, you know, in the last twenty years or something like that. Right. So also King Creole, you could remake that tomorrow and it would be a blockbuster. It would be a ama- like people would still eat that movie sure. up. I'm convinced that that movie would 
kick ass if they just remade it. So what's the best song in the movie? It's got to be the title. <laughs> it's got to be the theme song, right? Yeah, it's Flaming Star. I even knew this song from like a greatest hits record. Or oh, really? Something. Yeah, like it, it rang a bell when I when he started singing it. Not from the title of the movie, but like I definitely remember him going like Flaming Star. Okay. Like all that kind of stuff. But it's not better than Lonesome Cowboy. Lonesome Cowboy is still the best Elvis song yeah, so far, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's a good song. I really like it. Like, uh, forgive me, I like it more than GI Blues. Um, I think I said I like other, I like covers of GI Blues better than that version in the movie. Sure. And I even think maybe Elvis recorded better versions live and stuff. But uh, I think it's still a good song. Okay. So now, on a scale of one to ten, ten is perfect and seamless. One is oh god. How natural are the songs in the movie? It's pretty close to a 10. It's pretty much a 10. 9, 9, 9, 8. Like, I don't... So the best one we have so far is, I think... Yeah, King Creole, we gave a 9 to. Yeah. I don't... This isn't a 10, because, like... Because it's... Yeah. It feels... It does feel forced how quickly we get to the guitar. But, like, it's also kind of natural. So, like, 9-5? Right. Yeah, it's... I, that's a good one. I'd say... They did it right because you want to get that out of the way right away, you sure. know, and they did it well because of the party aspect of it and he would pick it up. And then they also did it justice because later there's a callback to him twiddling around on the guitar, even yep. though he doesn't play a full on song. You're like, oh, OK, that wasn't out of character. He's the entertainment around there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, it was pretty seamless. And, and you can't really. How do you, unless you're Desperado, how do you fit a song into your title sequence that's being sung by the lead? You know what I'm saying? Like, unless you're Antonio Bandero as the mariachi in the bar singing the lead song, like, how do you fit that in? So I think until we get, like, just a general score over the title screen, we're never going to get, like, a, unless we do, unless there is one of Elvis singing over the titles. That'd be great. We'll find out. I'm looking forward to finding out if that's happening. So speaking of finding out, so this movie, you thought, he was a cattle rancher with a great voice who got signed to a record deal. <laughs> he turns to excess, burns out, returns to the farm with nothing but memories. Was there even records in the 1840s? Maybe I don't not. Know. <laughs> I said he fills in for a rodeo entertainer, then travels with the rodeo. So you mm. were at least, you were closer, I think. Well, yours but we is both, way more Western. Sure. I think you, you would know, I think you said last time that you knew it was a Western. Yes, that's so, all I knew. Right. So now, the next movie, Blue Hawaii. Have you seen Blue Hawaii? Have no. you seen Have you seen any of these movies from here on out? Because I've not. I've never, I've never no. seen any of them before. No, I don't think I've seen. I've seen bits and pieces of some, but I've never seen them all in their entirety. I feel like based on name alone. Yeah. Blue Hawaii. Yeah. Viva Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, right? Like those kissing are the... cousins is that one? It is. I mean, I know that thing? title was. I mean, I've known that title, and sure. I know there's one harem scarum where Elvis was two Elvises, maybe. I don't know, but like in terms of like the things he's maybe known for, yeah, we we were close. Yeah, that's about it. I read a book. What was the book? Oh, in the book that we just cut that we just read. It's not out yet. The episode's not out yet. But the sixth episode of How to Win the Lottery, the book podcast that we have that I do with my friend Bob. We read a book called Colorless Tsukuru Tazaki and His Years of Pilgrimage by Haruki Murakami. And in that, Viva Pod Vegas, not Viva, Viva Pod Vegas, <laughs> that's the show, uh, Viva Las Vegas, the song is a guy's ringtone oh. because he was in Las Vegas and that song was playing everywhere and he had a really great weekend. And But I was just like, oh, shout out to this pod, sort of, kind of. Connection. On another podcast. Okay, so next movie, Blue Hawaii. Obviously, he's in Hawaii. Obviously, there's now a lot of music. It's probably a love thing. I don't know for sure. What do you think Blue Hawaii is about? Elvis is a surf instructor. Cool. 
He works at a hotel. It's kind of like a dirty dancing thing. Okay. Where like someone's there on vacation and he messes around with, you know, Elvis and he's not supposed to and he could get fired and it's a real baby Johnny kind of thing. Sure. And he teaches her to surf and maybe there's a surf contest too, but it's in Hawaii and we're going to get a lot of that like, I'm sure it's going to be full on on display because Hawaii, fairly recent state in America, I think only about four or five years old at this point. Uh, on the flag so there's gonna be a, a big travelogue going on where elvis is going to give a tour of the entire island of hawaii you know, cool. like, that's where they filmed Jurassic park in, in, in a couple years and that's when this happened cool <laughs> i this is a movie that i've not seen but i feel like because my dad loves elvis i think i talked about that in here before yeah and i i know i'm pretty sure like he had watched elvis movies in the house while I was growing, so I probably walked through the room. All, and I, I just have a vision of him in a Hawaiian shirt with a lay around his neck with like a ukulele maybe. Oh, yeah. Singing to a girl. Okay. But I mean, that also like, even without having seen that or quote unquote seen that, mm-hmm. it's still probably exactly what I would describe anyway. Like, it's not like that's like a, oh, like I remember he's like yeah. on a surfboard with a guitar. Like, it's not, it's not like a weird memory, right? Like, it's just like, no, a, right. oh, that's just what this is probably be about. Yeah. Don Ho's going to show up. You know. I guess the... Of course, because it's the Case Club Podcast Network, and Don Ho is in referenced in what three cage three movies? cage movies. I think the big question is: Is Elvis a native Hawaiian or is he a visitor? No, he's native. He's, he's, he's a, a native, native Hawaiian. Hawaiian. That's a good call. Yeah, he's going to be maybe what? Um, maybe Samoan, maybe Polynesian. I don't know. Okay, but like, because I can either see that like other people come to the island, or he comes to the island, or it's just like something happens on the island. Yeah, I think I think he's got to be there from the time the movie begins, though. I don't think he travels there. Or if if he's not from the island, it's like I was stationed here in the war and I never left, you know. And like now nah, I love this place. And he turns into George Clooney from the movie where he owns all the property and his wife dies. What was that with George? Oh, Clooney. with Shailene Woodley. Yeah, the, the Descendants. <laughs> the Descendants. Yeah, yeah. That's the sequel to Blue Hawaii. Okay. <laughs> I think Elvis is. Okay, here's the thing. Elvis is a um, a performer and entertainer hmm. at like a Hawaiian resort. Okay. And he falls in love with a woman who is vacationing there, yeah. but she's on her honeymoon. Oh, that's good. She's got someone already. And she's freshly married to this guy. So it's blue as in like he's sad. Maybe. Yeah. It's kind of like a forgetting Sarah Marshall deal, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but like... Didn't he fly there like to? No, right. But I'm right. saying, as far as like, there's a woman. Uh, I, oh, what's the other one? Um, ben Stiller remade it. It's the Charles Grodin film. Um, oh, Walter Mitty. No, not Walter Mitty. Well, he also remade that too. That's I know, another but, thing he but the Charles Grodin film where he goes like on his honeymoon, but falls for the other woman who's also like there. While we're young? No, no, no. Heartbreak Kid. Yes, yes. It seems a little maybe Heartbreak Kidish. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, folks. Okay. No, that's fine. Got there. So for comparison, for reference, so Flaming Star had a 6.5 on IMDb, which is right in the sweet spot. Yeah. I changed my rating right before I came down. I want to put that extra half a star back on my rating. I apologize. Uh-oh. Blue Hawaii is not next. <laughs> well, this is fitting. We end the show like we started it. I, I screwed up at the beginning, and you just kind of flubbed the end. The next movie is Wild in the Country. Okay. What do you think Wild in the Country is about? Oh, God. Well, this I know absolutely nothing about. I'm trying to picture the cover. He's probably got a guitar in his hand. Elvis is some kind of, like, early... F- oh, okay. It's okay. on the same DVD. It's just... All right. I got it. 
Elvis was yeah. discovered. Oh, he, Mike says like he sensed <laughs> something. The cover is just him in a jacket with the guitar. Like there's no context. Plus, clues. it's like two out of three covers he's holding it's a guitar. It's the same pose, yeah. It's the same thing. No, but I, I've got a little, I think I got a little better of an idea of where I, where I might be coming from. Um, I think that this is sort of like he's one of those maybe, what do I want to say? I don't want to necessarily, maybe he's a redneck, but he's like in the hills, maybe like running moonshine or something Ooh, like that. like that. Yeah, and he's, someone, you know, hears that he can play music well so they're all like you should quit this and go do the music and but he's like too much fun being an outlaw and it's gonna it can't end with him dying but i think it's gonna end with like an accident where he has to rely on his music for therapy and sort of like that's gonna become his identity at some point so like starts off as maybe this bad boy who's wild in the country sure you know and um but I think it's a modern day movie. I don't think we're going to do two westerns. So it's nineteen sixties. Yeah, I don't think we're getting two westerns back. But I think this might be more of a commentary on like the wild teens, the greasers, that kind of thing, and maybe those kids that are still stuck up in the country. Okay. That come down every once in a while and like do the sock hops. Well, what I will say, I'm I'm still going to guess, but only four hundred thirty four people have seen this on Letterboxd. It's got a three point which Whoa, is like that's right, very low, very low. Um, it's only higher than Loving You, which, if you'll remember, was the one I had to buy on VHS because it's oh, basically yes. not available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So of these, it'll be the seventh movie we cover. It'll be the second least seen. Like, for comparison, Flaming Star has been seen by more than 1,000. Jailhouse Rock by 3,500. That was a yeah. high, high watermark by a lot. King Creole by 1,300 when we did it. 434 is almost nothing, but a 3.0 yeah. average, a 6.4 on IMDb. Only 1,500 people on IMDb, which is, again, that's the lowest. That's even fewer than Loving You. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what this is, but apparently nobody does. So, Wild in the Country, I do like your Moonshiner. Wild in the Country, I, I like where you're going that it's modern day, because I don't know that we're going to have two historical movies back-to-back, even though they could all be historical movies for all I know. You know what I mean? But they could be like, the last Western, there was no singing. Now we're doing a singing one. I think it's going to be a comedy. I think he's going to be a farmer, and he has to, like, wrangle pigs in one scene. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, they're wild. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's, okay, here. It's going to get to that point. He's old McDonald. He's a city mouse. It's kind of my Blue Hawaii thing, but in reverse, sort of. Okay. And he falls in love with a woman who is the daughter oh. of a cattle rancher. And as part of the relationship, he moves from the city to the country. Okay. And so he's a little bit wild because he's from the city, but he's out in the country and he's, he's a fish out of water. Okay, so it's like Green Acres. I guess. Nice. Sure. Yeah, which might have been on around the time, which is about city folk moving to the country. Either way, all I know is that Elvis is not good at being a farmer, and he has to be a farmer. Oh, I'm looking for. I hope that's it. That would be a lot of fun. That's the Elvis I love. Is the sort of bumbly like, Elvis? Well, not that. I mean, he's really good at that kind of stuff. Like, uh, you know, he you could see he's having fun with that material. This one was very serious, and yeah. I, I was like, Elvis, like, yeah, don't be so sad. Don't be so sad. <laughs> so the final thing to do. Is our Riley Keel roundup? I saw Zola. Oh, you have not seen Zola. I yet. haven't had the uh, I have the opportunity yet to see Zola. She's so goddamn good in Zola. I can't. It's gonna be on a VOD this Friday. Oh, good. The 23rd. I, I'm gonna have to catch it on VOD because it's in theaters uh, now. Still, I think I still think still in the theaters, but she's so good in it. Yeah, the trailer. Like everybody's insane. good in it. You see the trailer after you watched it and see how like crazy the trailers are. No, or, I gotta oh, watch okay. that. Yeah, I also still haven't read I haven't read the, the tweet thread, but I ordered that book set we talked about in the last episode yeah. from A twenty four, which is gonna be here in a couple weeks, I think. Yeah, I was kinda bummed that I couldn't get to the theaters, but you know, it's not a what happened was it was released by me 
week of release because still back then, like two or three weeks ago, there weren't a lot of movies out. And then like literally a week later, the theater was open and filled with yeah. everything else. And it just got shoved out. Like by the time Black Widow showed up, it was gone. Yeah. Well, so I'll get there. It's soon. great. She's great. Shout out to you. I like, I like the director's previous movie, Lemon. <laughs> I can't believe it's the same director. That's married to. Uh, are they are they still married? Or are they divorced? Oh, I'm not sure if they're divorced, but they were married at one point. And he, I was watching his episode of Twin Peaks: The Return the other night. Yeah, they too. were they were married from 2015 to 2019. Janitza oh. Bravo. I don't know how to pronounce her first name. J A N I C Z A was married to Brett Gelman from 2015 to 2019. Okay. Oh, and she also directed at least part of, if not all of. She I think she did at least one episode of Mrs. America. That oh thing about uh, Phyllis Schlafly, the okay. Hulu miniseries of Kate Blanchett and Rose Byrne, which was great. But yeah, she's very talented, and Zola's great, so shout out to her. Um, what do you want to plug? What do you want, to, what do you want oh, people to know about? right. So I guess first off, um, last Friday of every month is The Monsters That Made Us with yep. me and Dan Cologne. Uh, show's going really well. Uh, we uh, just recorded a new episode for The Invisible Man Returns. That is going to be coming out at the end of July. The very Invisible cool. Man Returns. Right now, Son of Frankenstein episode. Lots of fun. Invisible Man Returns, very different. Uh, Universal, the start of something very different for them over there. So cool. Good episode. Dan Colon and myself, Monsters That Made Us. Still going strong. The first, uh, the third, the third of every month. The first third of every the month. The first third of every month. Still got third times a charm coming out. Still limping along. What's August going to be? August is, oh, Iron Man 3. Oh, cool. Because uh, back in the Marvel age here, you know, we got all the shows on. We got the movies. We got What If and Hawkeye coming out. We got Eternals and Shang-Chi. Everything's coming. Cool. Very, very cool. And then check out every other Thursday, including next Thursday, this past Thursday, How to Win the Lottery, book club, new book every two weeks. And then... Every Tuesday, Too Fast, Too Forever, watching the Fast and Furious movies. You were just on a recent episode about F9. You'll be back on the Patreon bonus feed very soon. Nice. Talk about Holy Motors with Joe Two, who I think is going to hate that movie. <laughs> we'll find out. Leos Carax's new movie, getting mixed reviews out of can, but I am very excited to see it. All right. And every Tuesday, Fast and Furious movies or movies that are related this lap, we are covering modern car movies, movies that came out since 2001. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want... Either movies about third movies in a franchise or classic Universal. I feel like Universal is like the closest crossover. Like in terms mm -hmm. of the audience for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old movies. Car movies or books. Uh, or just any of the shows. So there's like 30 shows. Cageclub.me slash shows. Go there. Check it out. Oh, yeah. This movie based on a book. True. For all things Viva Pod Vegas, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us king, K-I-N-G at cageclub.me. Come back next time, whenever it is, for not Blue Hawaii, for <laughs> Wild in the Country, and then after that, Blue Hawaii. you got to just hope, if you want more episodes of the show, hope that either Cage or Hanks or Cruz or Keanu <laughs> make more movies. We also have to catch up on Charlize. Just have other people make these movies, because we do these in like a, a two-for-double, because Mike and I live close, but not that close, so... You know, we do two in a day, so get these other guys or ladies to make movies, and we'll talk about them, and we'll talk about one of these Elvis, too, because we still got a bunch of these to go. Oh, yeah. 31 movies. We've now done six. Oh, wow. Six. Just like the Universal series, 31. Ooh. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll tell you all about it. <laughs> when we see you again. <laughs> Every man has a flaming star, a flaming star over his shoulder. And when a man sees his flaming star, he
Mr. Miss Carr. 